things like arguing for a little bit of budget to help you do that, making the time, exploring the other areas that you need to feed into that become a little bit easier. And it's not about sitting in your own little box or team and having that conversation. It's about involving your leader or whoever's asked you, you know, in terms of the strategic side of things, in, in terms of what they want. That was Trudy Lewis from Lewis Communicate and Advita Patel from Comms Rebel. And this is Remote Control. With me today on the Remote Control podcast is Advita Patel, the chair of CIPR Inside and soon to be very own uh, leader of our own comms consultancy, and Trudy Lewis, already there leading the path in kind of communication consultancy. Uh, thank you. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Perfect. Right. Well, today we are going to talk about measurement um, and ROI for internal communication. So this is a topic that's come up on every other episode of Remote Control. So uh, I thought I couldn't really not speak to you two, uh, seeing as you can really spearheaded some research uh, this year. So it'd be great to uh, hear what some of the findings were and seeing how we can kind of talk about that from a remote worker's point of view and yeah, just really find out what the challenges were and the uh, any positive opportunities that you found from, from the research really. Um, I guess I'll start. <laughs> Hi. Um, I, um, I think it was a group of us who, um, following on from a first report that we did about internal communications and its value, um, one of the findings from that first report was about productivity and performance. And, um, and can we prove that internal communication impacts those two areas? Um, and that led us talking about measurement and ROI and um, and not unlike yourself it's a topic that comes up quite heavily for us um, as part of CIPR inside right Avita? It's definitely an area where a lot of internal communicators do struggle with and this report was quite important for us as a committee and as a group to try and lead the way and give a sense of direction for some of the guys who just didn't know where to start there isn't there hasn't been anything in the industry as far as I'm aware that is directed at internal communicators and and where they should be looking so I think there's a lot of confusion on what they should be starting with and where they should be looking and what they should be doing and it's often used as an excuse not to start measuring because it's just a little bit too hard so this report was definitely a guidance document for people who were not aware of how to start or where to go for information to give them a bit of a helping hand, really. So it's full of rich case studies and examples and some tools, which hopefully gets that conversation started in the organisation. Perfect. And and when you're kind of carrying out the, the research, um, was it kind of a mix of kind of in-house internal comms professionals um, or agencies, what was the, the makeup of the people that you interviewed and, and, and kind of studied? Um, well, the report, um, as I said, it came from the other report. We decided this time to uh, do some desk research predominantly. Um, there's an enormous amount of material about measurement, most of which was designed directly for PR, not for internal comms. And like Adita said, most of the material that you do find um, was was not done specifically for internal communication, so there wasn't anything there. So we um, 
set out to identify as many reports that we could, both from management consultants uh, across the industry, uh, from other parts of the world um, who had done reports on measurement. Um, so that was our main method. Um, and then as part of that, we also interviewed or put a poll out to uh, practitioners in our network mm-hmm. uh, with a short set of questions around some of the challenges that they're having, um, how are they finding measurements, what were some of the blockers, uh, just, just to see where they were um, in relation to everything that was also included in the report. Perfect. And in terms of, I mentioned it's come up in previous episodes of, of this remote control podcast, people have been talking about how difficult it is and that even making small steps to measure um, the tactics has felt like a good way forward if it's not really measuring the strategic impact and, and the overall perhaps cultural change that internal comms is, is always looking to, to impact. I was wondering what have been the main challenges and barriers that you found during your research for successful measurement of internal comms? What do people really struggle with? Um, I'll start. Uh, I think time was one of the big ones. Um, most, and, and this is probably because the focus was on that tactical kind of measurement. We measure clicks and um, kind of analytics. Um, most people mentioned that time was an issue. Budget was a big issue as well. They didn't have the money to kind of bring in the mechanisms to measure and and also resource. So, so it was all kind of around those areas that people felt uh, it was difficult. And, and another part of that was they weren't sure what to measure um, and how to get started, really. And I think building on Trudy's point there, a lot of people fear measurement and numbers. And as communicators, we are words people. Um, and anything to do with figures and data and stuff does does scare quite a few people away. And, the bar- and I think some people just want to not enter that space that they're really uncomfortable with, mainly because of what Trudy just said. Time is, is a big part of measurement, as is resource. And as soon as you kind of realize that it's going to take quite a lot of you know a lot of time initially to kind of figure out what you're measuring and what outputs and outcomes you're looking for it it does put a lot of people off and internal communicators are normally people who work in a team of one or two or don't have the luxury to have a large resource available to them to do some of the the measurements that would show the leadership team the impact that that team is actually having and the second part of this is i think from some of the conversations I've had with individuals, there's also this fear of what if the measures are showing that the team isn't having any impact, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden what is their comfort zone of delivering newsletters and looking at how, you know, magazines are being impacted in the business suddenly shows that actually they're having no impact. And and then it demonstrates to the leadership team actually why are we spending money in this area? And I think a lot of people fear in terms of what will they do if that does uh, if that is the case when they start measuring effectively um so that is one of the kind of i think having the lack of resources data and time but also the fear of what this measures will show if they did actually start looking a bit deeper into the impact it's having across the organization and i think i think for me just following on from what Avita said for me all of that links back to confidence because we 
we are we are kind of skilled at what we what we're doing we know our job yet still there's an there's an element um that we don't have the confidence to say well we know that it will do what what we say it will do um and as a result we don't want to measure it because it then shows up whether or not it was success yeah it feels for, for want of a better cliche it feels a bit of a chicken and egg situation where without the the measurement it's hard to be confident that something is going to be successful um so it's kind of that perpetual circle really where one of what you're going to need that measurement to be able to be confident and prove that it's successful and, and stand up in boardrooms or, or senior level meetings to to stand by or make those decisions perhaps yeah and also what are you going to do about it you know what once you've got these measures and it's demonstrating that it's the, the comms or the channels that are using or whatever your mechanism that is, is not having an impact the leadership team will be looking at you to advise and guide them and as Trudy said, 100% spot on. Confidence is a big issue for a lot of um, internal communicators in terms of are they the right person to stand up against these leaders and say, actually, this is the way we should be going. And that's one of the key aims that we want to try and address in, as part of CIPR Inside to help these individuals gain a bit of confidence in, in, in their role and become that trusted advisor with the right data set behind them to give them the guidance uh, to the leaders that they work with because they will be, you know, leaders may, may think they're the right, but they think that because they haven't got anything else to go against, really. So that is definitely one of the big issues with the confidence part. One thing that I was thinking about when, uh, Trudy, you mentioned time, uh, and Alvita, you, you also mentioned that as well, but talking about time being one of the challenges, and uh, I was reading something this week that kind of put that into two perspectives. So one was finding the time to set up the measurement and the objectives in the first place, but then also the time period that you should be measuring. So I'll, we talked about internal comms earlier being around um, culture change and changing attitudes and behaviors of you know, all sides of businesses um, and they move at different paces, but it's kind of when is that line in the sun to say, this is a completed project or this is when we should be laying the measurement and is there a potential framework or tool to to keep that line moving um, and understand kind of the progress of, of campaigns? I thought that was kind of an interesting take that it's not just the time to do it, it's the time frame that you're measuring as a whole anyway. Yeah. Um, well, there are two things around that. So it depends on what, you're, what you are measuring and... Um, one of the key things dealing with that whole issue is actually setting smart objectives. Um, if if it's a campaign, then it obviously there's a set time frame. If there's going to be a fallout in terms of sentiment and, and what comes after that in terms of how people feel, um, then there are secondary things that you have to measure. And within within reason, you're going to have to have a stop point. You're going to have to say, well, we six months after we're going to review where people are um and this is where kind of the the multiple methods of measurement come in so for instance you might start with a, a direct kind of measurement uh survey after an event for, in, for example and then you might follow that up with focus groups and then later you might say well let's have a look at how the employee engagement survey is coming um kind of impacting that as well so 
So I think it's about using multiple methods. And most of the kind of methods that we identified, um, we looked at things like OASIS, which is the uh, government communication services um, method, um, as well as a measurement matrix that was done within CIPR inside and the Barcelona principles. And all of them um, imply that you should probably look at this in a, in a wider sense instead of being, you know, I'm just measuring this one thing, looking at it in a wider sense and actually then saying, well, what am I trying to find out um, to start with? Uh, and that makes the, that makes a difference, really. I, I completely agree uh, with Trudy. And, and uh, to add to that point, measurement, I, I personally don't believe that it's a, a stop-start, a firm stop-start, really. It's it's depending on what you're measuring, as Trudy said. And campaigns and projects do obviously have an end date, and that is something a bit different to something like a transformation program or a, a cultural shift. Because we all know that you know changing culture and behaviours in an organisation takes time, and it can take years for for it to to change. And which is why I always kind of encourage internal communicators to look at data that we don't necessarily own, but is available across the business, such as absence rates and retention and performance data and exit interviews, just to kind of give you a sense check of how things are actually going in the business. And there should definitely be periods of where you are doing a, a, a specific kind of measure on something, such as, you know, a pulse check uh, to make sure that you are going in the right direction and doing a one at the beginning of the year and one at the end of the year or as engagement surveys, which a bit controversial. I'm not the biggest fan of, to be honest, because I don't believe that doing one engagement survey per annum or biannually or whatever your kind of, you know, frequency is, is is a, a great method for measurement because we all know they're quite subjective and it depends on what mood you are on that day and how, you know, what your journey into work was like or what your boss has said to you in that minute. That, that engagement survey is very, you know, uh, subjective to that. So if you are only measuring and that's the only measurement tool you have in the organisation and you're only doing that maybe once every two years, then that isn't give you, going to give you the right sense or, or, or the the right measures, in my opinion. And, it, and you need to look at other factors that are available to you. And I think a lot of internal communicators sometimes don't look outside of their own data that's available. And I... I I'm a big fan of working with other departments such as health and safety and HR and IT to kind of see what the what the patterns are and what the what measures are and how long people are spending on certain things and what they're doing and why they're leaving or why they're coming and that gives you a really nice story to tell your leadership team um hopefully in a monthly or fortnightly meeting if you do have that access to them. Yeah, I, I 100% sorry, I 100% agree with you Peter. I I think there's that um, and this feeds into why it takes time, because um, I'm a strong believer of going and finding out what other insight is in the organization, especially as it relates to some of the things that we're trying to achieve, if it's something around engagement or so on. Um, the minute you start to delve into these other areas, it means that you, you need the time to, um, to to work it out, to have those conversations, to gather the data, to analyze it, um, and then apply it to what you're doing. So it's so, a Certainly, is it is time it can be time consuming. That's and really to understand, sorry, Jack. <laughs> I was just going to say that, and also just to understand what you are trying to achieve. 
you know, there's no point saying, right, I'm going to start measurement if you don't know what your objective, as Trudy said, if you don't know what your SMART objective is and what your what behaviours you want to see changing in the business. Um, and, and you need the support of your leadership team to do that. You know, you need to find out from them what is it that they want to see changing in the business so you can then adapt your measurement uh, and what you're looking for uh, properly so you're not messing about and spending or wasting time measuring things that just don't, matter to that uh, organization that you're working in yeah i think that's really interesting and listening to what we've been talking about so far i think and hope this isn't meant to be kind of overly simplistic but it really feels like perhaps the challenge doesn't necessarily lie in the measurement side of things it's perhaps the setting the objective side of things which is all tied together but perhaps it's a, diff- a slightly different mindset in terms of at what point should you be looking at the measurements? It's right at the front when you're setting the objectives and being able to understand what you want to impact and what needs to change rather than three months or you know X number of months down the line looking at, oh, I wonder what happened because we did this. And it's, yeah, it's an interesting take on it and, and something that perhaps is um, needs to be kind of built in a bit more into that planning process. Yeah, just just to say, I remember working with a comms consultant um, who's quite senior, came into the organization to help with some change. And we were having this conversation about measurement. And he mentioned how it was probably the first time I heard it as a bit, as a bit junior, more junior then. And he said um, uh, measurement has to be built in from the strategic level. So when you're writing your comms strategy, it needs to frame part of your comms strategy. So what what are you going to do every single time you do a comms activity? And how are you going to um how are you going to handle it? In that way you've kind of set an expectation that you're going to measure each time. And if it's if it's set if it's set up from that point, um things like arguing for a little bit of budget to help you do that, um, making the time exploring the other areas that you need to feed into that become a little bit easier. And it's not about sitting in your own little box or team and having that conversation. It's about involving your leader or whoever's asked you, you know, in terms of the strategic side of things, in in terms of what they want and having that conversation with them and asking the why. We often, as communicators, are so busy delivering and doing tactical delivery at that that we do often forget to ask them the why. You know, why are we doing this? You know, what are you expecting to see in, in, in terms of us doing this? And what's the return on investment if we do this? And asking them, actually, what is it that you want to see behavioural-wise change? And what impact are you expecting to see in the business in the long run? And letting them come up with some of the answers as well, because they, they will know. So rather than you trying to figure it out for them, ask them and have that two-way conversation. And then you can form your strategy and, and inform your planning much more effectively than just sitting on your own or with another colleague trying to figure out what this leader wants from you. Yeah, and and I guess that, again, really ties back into that confidence piece is being able to be confident enough to to ask that why, to ask that second question to to help your plans is is to be able to get that clarity from, from that senior team. So following on from that, one of the pieces of information that I pulled out from your research was kind of you highlighted the the cost to I think the UK economy of unengaged 
employees is something crazy like 60 billion pounds um and i think probably that does tie back into something you've just mentioned a bit in terms of maybe absence rates um kind of the cost can be impacted in there um and some of the research that i've mentioned on previous previous episodes has been how remote workers are some of the most unengaged um, some of the most happy because um the flexible working arrangements are being met or they're really enjoying kind of part of the remote team if they're say in retail but the stats and i think this is from uh gallup the state of the um sector showed that the remote, remote workers were the least engaged so i was just wondering how kind of that measurement piece um can look to combat the that kind of uh, cost of, of the engagement and if there's any slight tweaks for remote workers or whether that's kind of a, a red herring and really keeping the whole employee base engaged is is really what the objectives and measurement should be focused on. Um, I'll pick up on that. The um, Hague group uh, did a piece of research and they said that about 43% um, sorry, engaged employees are up to 43% more productive um, than employees that are not engaged. And um, one of the things that data enables us to do is to do more. So if engagement is important, if um, and we've got it in the research as well, if CEOs are kind of passionate about internal communication and getting employees in- engaged, then... Um, then any evidence that we can pull together to demonstrate that enables us to get more support, more budget to actually achieve what we need to achieve. So internal communication impacts engagement. If we can convince leadership that it's a good investment, and, and this kind of goes back to ROI, return on investment, if they can see how it impacts their bottom line, um, and their bottom line includes the remote workforce, um, hugely because that's, you know, in most cases, that's the largest group. Um, it, it then kind of, it comes together and it works. So you, you kind of say, right, we have that question of, are we getting return on investment if we invest in internal communication? And instantly we can bring um, data around productivity and the fact that you have this workforce that you need to get engaged. So, yes, it's a good investment, along with, obviously, other data and other research that you've done to kind of support that and how it impacts things like attrition and retention and all the rest of the business issues that come up um, that I believe internal communication can impact. And on that productivity, there's lots of research out there that does demonstrate um, how if you do invest in your remote workers and um, employees in general in terms of making sure they are engaged and inspired, the, their productivity output, as Trudy said, does almost double. So if you're, if you're engaged, you kind of, like she said, 44%, but if you're inspired, and that's where we always talk about inspiring our employees so they come up with more innovation and ways to save money and et cetera, you know, they're almost 125% more productive than um, a satisfied employee. And that that data, by, if anyone is interested, is by um, a, a source is Bain & Company, which is research done in 2015. And that slide, for me, makes a really 
significant impact to leadership teams we're trying to prove why it's really important to pay a little bit more attention to the remote workers and and they are the hardest group of colleagues in my opinion to to measure um because they don't have access to work phones and mobiles and so you can't do the you know the fancy click-through rates in terms of outputs it's difficult to get around if they're global or if they're if they're spaced out across the uk it's hard to do focus groups with them because they're normally shift-based workers who can't take time off to attend a focus group and you don't want to interrupt their downtime because they need to rest in their in, in those times so as an internal comms person you do have to think a little bit more creatively on how you'll get those measures and and that's where that as I mentioned before, that HR data can play quite a valuable part in your measurement kind of uh, campaign and uh, dashboards that you're pulling together. Yeah, I think you, you touched on it there in terms of the kind of the, the spread of, of remote workers and how that can be a, a challenge for uh, engagement and then uh, as an ex, uh, as an extension, the measurement of uh, internal comms and. And you, you talked earlier about using different data points from different areas of the business, or different insight, actually, is a, is a better word. Um, something that I heard as as part of the discussions for this podcast series was using um, feedback uh, in, say, maybe like line manager conversations or one-to-one catch-ups and almost creating, it, I don't think it was as simple as a word cloud, but it was identifying key words that were um, either being able to show that the internal communications messages were being understood or whether maybe some of the old pain points and questions that the campaign was trying to fix and solve were still being asked. Um, I thought that was a good good use of it because it wasn't a direct feedback um like an engagement campaign that you mentioned, Advita, um, like a pulse survey, it was more of a, this is about your work as a whole and your kind of relationship with the business and your manager as a whole, but the, the words that you might be kind of inputting and, and saying might just help someone reflect on how the, the internal comms engagement is going. I thought that's a really interesting way of doing it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you, you spot on there, Jackie. It's the hearts and minds, right, of those individuals that you, you, you get about those word clouds that you mentioned. And that's where you can kind of start understanding the workforce a bit better in terms of your measurement and, and what they want and what they need from the leadership team. So anything that's similar to that or, you know, just as creative works well in my in my experience. Yeah, and taking that time, again, it comes back to time, but taking that time to actually meet them where they are. Um, because a lot of the times, as Abby said, we're not picking up analytics from them because they're not, on digital platforms, um, so a lot of the communication is direct. A lot of it, a lot of it happens through their line manager or within their depots or wherever they are. Um, it, it's a little bit about the HR, sorry, the um, internal communication person going to where they are, doing whether it's a focus group or just having a chat with them, picking up the stories from them directly rather than just saying, uh, email me in. I've never really had a great response from asking remote workers to email me. Um, but um, but certainly going and having those conversations with them directly, you know, that one, they appreciate it, and two, you end up getting some really honest conversations and honest feedback because you're there in front of them. 
definitely. And the base, like, going back to basics as well, I think we are very yeah. all, we're all really focused, aren't we, on digital platforms. And I, for one, love them. I'm a, I'm a massive tech uh, supporter. But for some of the, depending on the operation that you work in and, and what it is, some of these guys, you know, they, they like the, the, the kind of pen and paper method. So when they're mm-hmm. sat in their staff areas and there's a, a comment card or a feedback card that they can post somewhere, that works really effectively. And it, and it still works in, even in this day and age, you know, that people are quite comfortable writing down a comment on a card and posting it, and it's in the moment as well. Uh, there are obviously cleverer ways to do it, but if, if if technology and money and budget and all that kind of stuff is stopping you getting that feedback from this population, then you do need to go right back to the basics of actually how can we just gather this info? And that is, I mean, that is time. We're not we're not saying that it isn't time, but in the long run, when you start putting together your comms plans and campaigns it will save you more time if you do it right in the first place because you know exactly what the organization wants rather than guesswork or hearsay or assuming because it worked in one organization it's going to work in the one that you're in at the moment and that in my opinion is one of the biggest mistakes some communicators can make and this is why I'm quite passionate about saying that don't you know case studies and everything are amazing and it gives you a nice insight of how certain things work in some places but do take it with a pinch of salt and and go out of your way to understand what your organization is about who they are who are the people get out from behind your desk and walk around the floor and chat there shouldn't ever be a day in an internal communicator's life where you don't have a conversation with anyone all day and if you do find yourself not talking to anybody all day then something is quite wrong in your, in your job and you need to reflect and figure out why you're spending most of your days in silence. Um, so that is something that I am hugely um, passionate about and advocate for is about getting out, and and that and that helps with your kind of qualitative feedback if you can't get hold of the the data insights that you need. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, one thing that we've highlighted there is the tech. It's a great opportunity, but then there's potential barrier for different sets of, of remote workers. And, and one of the questions that I wanted to, to put to you guys was, does um, the, you know, there's the statistics research out there that talks about 50% of the workforce uh, being remote workers in, in 2020. Uh, and I'm just wondering if there are opportunities that the tech presents um, for better measurement of campaigns and I just wonder if that's kind of if you're you've already touched on some barriers that tech presents but understanding the opportunities that perhaps it it provides as well would be interesting yeah no 100% I mean tech like I said I'm a big fan of tech and I do think that every um, every organization should look at where they can bring this tech into place especially with remote workers and we're not only talking about remote workers who are operational, obviously, on on the on the kind of floor, uh, like retail or in, a, in an airport or whatever. We're also talking about workers who are part time or work from home. Uh, and there's lots of you know different ways that technology can help bring these people together and, and give them a voice that they they may be missing or don't feel part of that community. And there's you know I've been looking at the moment, for example, at um, feedback like uh, uh, similar to what Yammer and Microsoft kind of teams offer but uh, it's, it's more accessible 
and it's available on on a regular basis on your desktop or on your own personal device because you have to remember that 90% or 95% of the workforce have their own devices, smartphones, and there isn't anything wrong in working with the business to encourage people to use their own devices. I know at the airport we were very much into, you know, bring your own devices kind of policy where we could, where we encouraged our workforce to use their own smartphones by helping them develop, you know, by helping them by giving them Wi-Fi access and, you know, hotspots where they could log on and have a look at the app that we developed that would that would give the internal comms team a bit of insight on what who's looking at what and how long for and that kind of stuff, which did help shape our measurement strategy and, and comms plans going forward. So there are definitely tools and stuff, but what I do say is just look at what where your business is at, what they are what they need from that and, 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 and what the impact will be if you do bring this in and, and we keep saying those you know three letters return on investment, but definitely look at the return on investment of whether this, you know, new tech will give you the resource the, the results that you need to have and the impact it will make in your organization. Yeah, um, I I recently did a live broadcast of a town hall and to supplement that we um, we used Slido um, so that we could get direct feedback from all the people who were joining the call and I think it's it's thinking about what else can you use, what else can I do to enable a little bit of feedback, a little bit of kind of um, enabling a bit of employee voice so that people can talk back um, and give their opinion. So it meant that um, this, this particular organization are heavily into remote working and that is in terms of um, um, work from home, work remotely. So it's not necessarily that they're stationed in a remote depot or something. Um, so for them, most of them are logged on to tech somewhere. Um, so they did have access. It just meant kind of creating something else for them to work with that they could give feedback. Yes, Slido is something really interesting. That's something I've seen from an external events point of view, and that was really quite engaging. So I can totally see how that would work uh, as, a, as a tool to, to help people get involved and kind of get involved in those surveys and polls that are potentially not as um, easy to do via well, you mentioned kind of email responses being uh, not so great some of the time, Trudy. I think, yeah, uh, something that's kind of a bit easier and perhaps a bit more uh, native to the dev- you know, mobile devices is something that can, can help. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm a big fan, like Adita, of um, all the things that have been coming in, in recent times, like bring your own device. And, I, you know, we've had to use that at times where... Um, where employees are kind of open to that, it, it's very, very effective, which means that they are engaged and they do get connected. Um, and, and looking at things like their shift patterns and making sure that you reach them at the times that they can actually look at things. Um, I think one one place I worked, they still did print magazine, but we made sure that it was available for them when they booked on because they had like an hour um, of downtime before they went and did their shift. So, so I think it, it is about kind of looking at how people work, what you're trying to get out of it, how you want to, you know, you know what kind of data you need to then uh, support whether it's the objective or or the outcome or kind of evidence 
to, to, to gain more budget or, um, or to do more activities within communication. And things like QR codes, by the way, are, are making a comeback now. So that's you reminded me that. Uh, sorry, Trudy, you reminded me there yeah. when you spoke about magazines about um, measuring who's who's reading what by the QR code clicks they get through mm-hmm. to the website. And it's a really clever way, actually, to see because before you had to download an app to access the QR code kind of technology, but now you can just do it through your camera on your phone. So if you hover your QR code over your camera, it takes you straight to where that link is and that's a really good way of measuring what your employees on the on the ground are reading and how long they spent on that website and you know so you can be a bit clever about stuff like that so you can still mix traditional media with new tech and and get the you know the results that you need as well in terms of measurement so that's i think that's a really good way of 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 also bringing in tech uh, alongside uh, print media i should say sorry yeah, that's really great. I love the uh, love that example of a bit of a, a hybrid approach. Um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And yeah, I think QR codes have, have, like you mentioned, they've been around for a while, but I think people keep finding new uses for them. And as mobiles become um, a bit smarter, like you say, not needing to kind of extra apps and stuff like that, then yeah, it makes sense that those would be kind of making a bit of a bit of a comeback. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Overinvented the QR code, you're not dead just yet. No. <laughs> no <laughs> unless not, they are. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, unless they are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, well, that's been, like, it's been really interesting, but I thought I'd um, keep the, t- possibly the toughest question till till the end. Um, and as I said to a previous guest, there's no, there's no judgment on your answers here, um, or at least no judgment that's recorded. We can all talk about it off air. Um, but, the podcast is called Remote Control. I'm a huge uh, telly addict and have a Netflix list as long as my arm that just never gets watched. Um, so I'm just really shamelessly asking for TV recommendations. Oh, I'll let you start with that one. <laughs> well, I've got two, if that's okay. So, um, which is a bit of a cheat, I know. But the first one is, um, on. well, both are Netflix because I'm a big fan of Netflix. But one of them is um, Brené Brown. Um, her, 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 she does a, 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 an amazing talk on vulnerability, which is just, I've watched that about six times now because it's just such an inspirational talk. And anyone who's kind of going through a bit of a, you know, a bit of a downer or, or they just want a bit of an uplifting, like, conversation with an amazing woman and a big inspiration for me, Brené Brown's talk on uh, Netflix is well worth a watch. And the second um, thing that I'm, I'm, I'm loved actually watching was a, a Netflix series called Atypical, and it was about an autistic um, young man called Sam. And honestly, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've never really been aware of autism. I knew it existed, obviously, but I never really understood the impact it was having on, on individuals or what it meant. And that show was an eye-opener for me uh, in terms of how autistic people or people with autism I should say um, handle everyday life and it it really gave me some insights in not only like how to work and support others who may be dealing with that uh, the the, the, um, autism but also to see you know think about how we communicate in our in our workforce um, and not not assume that everyone has 
you know one one thing fits all one size fits all kind of um comms as well so that series the three seasons it was absolutely like hysterical in in parts and sad in others and it was just insightful and i highly recommend that as a watch great well i'll definitely check those out a bit more highbrow than um brooklyn 99 or how i met your mother so <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep still on my recommendations <laughs> Um, wow, Netflix recommendations. Um, it has to be Netflix because I do um I tend not to watch television very much. Um I I loved Brene Brown's um TED Talk as well. Um but I'm I'm very into um science fiction, so if it's still on Netflix I would say What Happened to Monday Um, which is a sci fi kind of weird program <laughs> thriller yeah okay yeah i mean a weird program that's um and I'm, I'm not sure i've seen that genre on netflix before but i'll, I'll definitely check it out <laughs> uh no well it's, it's, it's called what, what happened to monday and i think what's interesting it's um it's one of these futuristic futuristic looks at um how society um where society goes and as you're watching it you realize that it could very much it could very well happen so it, it it's I think that's the weirdness about it. Oh, great. Okay, it sounds a bit like um, Black Mirror, which is... Uh, yes, like it's a little bit Black Mirror, yes. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, well, um, I just got one other question, and that was for people want to find the research, where should they head to? So the report can be found, a summary of the report is available for everybody, and that's on our website, which is uk on the homepage, the full report is accessible for members only. But if anybody does want to have a copy and have a look and you're not a CIPR member, then please do feel free to email CIPRinside at gmail.com and we will make sure that a copy is sent to you. Oh, perfect. Well, that's great. Well, big thank you for me for, for joining. It's been really insightful. I think thinking back to the previous episodes, I've talked about measurement being a challenge. This is kind of really, I feel like turned it on its head and, and pointed people towards the objective side of things. I think that's a really great takeaway. Um, so, yeah, just a last thing is a, a really big thank you from me. Thank you. Really enjoyed it.